start with AA, the AA range. Yeah? So in recovery, the first step is that I was powerless, we were powerless over alcohol, and our lives had become unmanageable. Yeah? Now when I heard that, I had a feeling that it sounded like that drinking was the cause of my unmanageability. Yeah? When I hear that statement, it sort of sounds like it. It says the cause was I was drinking too much, and it made my life unmanageable. That's how I heard it. And so I had an assumption that if I stopped drinking, all the things that seemed to be plaguing me were going to stop. But that wasn't my experience. I stopped drinking, but the selfing was continuing and thriving, just as it had always been. Then, if you look at how it works, they have a... At the end of how it works, it's a part of our recovery program, which describes how it works. It puts out the 12 steps, and it says, after it talks about the 12 steps, it says, uh, there are three pertinent ideas you have to be sort of convinced of. And your experiences before and after being sober, before and after being sober, will verify these three statements. And the first statement is that we're alcoholics and we cannot manage our own lives. Now that sounds totally different than how it sounded to me in the first step. The first step sort of seemed, all right, if I stop drinking and using, everything that was unmanageable would suddenly become manageable because why it's not manageable is I'm drinking and using. That's the second statement actually gets closer to what I believe is the truth when it comes to addiction and alcoholism is that Yes, we're alcoholics and addicts, but but we cannot manage our lives. Yes? We are not managerial quality, in other words. In other words, the system that we're relying on, which I, we call self-centeredness, is unreliable. And like it says in our fear inventory, he says, why do you have so much fear? Which is a really incredible question yeah. from the guy and the first 100 people writing the book. They're really, it's a very large question. They say, why do you have so much fear? And he, thank God he didn't let us answer, you know, because it would have been novel after novel of stories of why we think we have fear. It says, he says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So, in a sense, if you look at it that way, self-reliance is, is basically what causes the fear, the atmosphere of anxiety. I don't believe it's fear, because fear is a valid emotion, you know? Fear is an emotion that arises in certain situations when there's a threat, an impending threat. But anxiety is like a mental take on fear. And mental, and mental anxiety doesn't need a threat to fear, to have this sense of anxiety. It actually makes it up out of nothing. It really does. It thinks about something that's not happening, and it keeps thinking about it, and it produces an effect as if it is happening. Yeah? So if you believe you're going to be destitute next week or if you have a feeling that, oh, I'm not lovable, so you're in a relationship and then there's a belief that you're not lovable, so you're going to feel uncomfortable in that relationship because you're waiting for them to find out what you know to be true. I'm not, he's not lovable. Yeah? So it's all this thing, this stuff. And the mind, while obsessing over this idea that this is going to happen, but it's actually not happening. Yeah? But what is happening is the thinking and the obsessing over it. And the thinking and the obsessing over what's not happening produces an effect now. And you feel anxious. Yeah? You feel like you're a little contracted, yes, and you, 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 your breaths are shorter and your mind's racing. And it's all being provoked by what's not happening, in a sense. By thoughts about what's not happening. Yeah? So, 
this, and it's a perfect example about relying on self, because it's only through being being relied on self that what's not happening can seem to be happening to you. If you're not relying on self and you're relying on what we call something greater than self or the higher power, immediately what happens is you start having the ability to recognize that what's not happening is not happening. Yeah? (laughs) And so when you recognize what's not happening is actually not happening, there's an incredible pause at that moment and there's your freedom. From what? What's not happening? Because there's nothing you need to do when you realize it's not happening. Except realize it's not happening. Can you imagine if you were going to a therapist who who specialized in anxieties about what's not happening? Which most of them are, actually. (laughs) He'd be going in and paying them tons of money to sort of listen to you speculate about things that aren't happening. And and all the anxiety is provoking. What the... he would, he would be, his whole career would come to an end. Like for me, I, my whole job is to become obsolete. Their job would be obsolete the first session if they just told the truth. Hey, bro, it's not happening. <laughs> you know, that is the solution. As soon as there's a recognition, what I'm obsessing over isn't actually happening now. What's actually happening is the mind's obsessing over something. That's what's happening. That thing that I forget, you know, because the obsession makes the attention leave the recognition of the obsession and goes to the thing you're obsessed over. Yeah? And so now, you believe that's really what you're worried about. But that's not what's provoking the fear because it's not happening. It can't provoke the fear. What's provoking the fear is the thoughts. Yes? And the thoughts only provoke the fear when they're yours. Yeah? How many times has someone come to your house and started telling you their fears about what's not happening? Did you get... Was it contagious that you had a fear about what's not happening for them? No. They'd be sitting there, hey, I feel for you, bro, but hey, it's not happening for me. <laughs> no, I can't really get that engaged in it. What's the difference? Same thoughts could be going through. If I see the thoughts that are going through my head and I see them as Mitch's, I have an immunity to it. The same thoughts, if I see them as Paul's, I don't have an immunity to it. It's not the thought. It's the identification as the thinker, yeah? If you really want some relief here, it's good to have the right diagnosis of what the disease is. If you don't, if you think you have a cold and you have the flu and you take a lot of cold medicine, cold and flus have some similar symptoms, but you won't get radical relief because you're misdiagnosed. You don't have a flu. Yeah? Yeah? That's the whole point. I found in my years in recovery, after about nine, seven or eight years, Something occurred that I felt that I found out what the real problem is by the solution. Something happened with my identification as self, where the emphasis of my attention and interest shifted from me thinking I was this into not knowing what the hell I am. When that occurred, I got radical relief. That's simple as that. And the proof is in the pudding. Yeah? I started to travel lighter, and I've been traveling lighter seemingly for years and years and years now. Because... The real root of the, the only way you'll know this, the problem is by the solution. Yeah? It's not obsession with self. It is, that's what the mind does to reinforce the identification as self. Yeah? If, you're, if there's a bondage to self, let's say there's an idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? A feeling of being you. 
You know, when you wake up in the morning, don't you feel like it's you? Don't you have a memory of you and memory of the room? You haven't seen you. You haven't seen the room, but you have a memory of the room. You know you're in Staten Island or Connecticut and like that. We're basically all memory. That's all we are. The mind is just remembering us. Yeah? Remembering the self. Yes? All day. But we are, in a sense... Okay, here. I'm seeing you, yes, right now. And if everyone would describe what's happening, it would be the same description. I'm seeing you. It would be different yous, yes? But it would always be, everyone would say, I'm seeing, yeah? If I ask Mary Ann, she says, I'm seeing Paul. If I ask you, I'm seeing Paul. If I ask you, I'm seeing Paul. If you ask me, I'm seeing Mary Ann. So the I am seeing is what's happening, yeah? I'm saying the I meaning the spirit. The consciousness that's looking out of all our eyes. And while what's happening is the eye is seeing, and then the ment- and so the mental process says the eye is seeing a you, which I call Marianne. Yes? This object. So I call Marianne, I'm seeing Marianne. Now, if you ask me, all right, who am I? If I ask myself, well, who am I? What would my mind usually say first? Me. I'm me. Yeah? I'm me. But what's a me? Me is a you that I'm seeing, that's identified. That's all it is. Yeah? This is an object, just like Marianne is an object. I'm seeing her, which I call a you. This you is, she, I'm a you to her, yes? In this experience that's happening now, I am a you to Marianne. And Marianne is a you to me. So everyone here is a you, and then the subject. So I'm seeing you, you're seeing me. So I'm a you to you, and I'm a me to me. Yeah? But basically, we're all yous, yeah? So, but what's actually seeing is I, consciousness. Consciousness is seeing, yeah? We call it a you. The only difference between this you and that you is I call it me. I'm identified with this you, yeah? This becomes self-centeredness. So when I hear the self thing happening in Mary Ann's head, when she shares it with me, I have an immunity to that self thing, yes? That mental activity. But the same mental activity happening in this head, because I call it me, I have no immunity to it. Yeah? So it's not the thought that's driving you crazy. It's the you that gives the thought the power to drive itself crazy. Yeah? You give it all the meaning it has by the word my, M-Y. So here, money, sex, Satin Island, sex again. Yeah. Sex, sex, money. Everyone gives it a meaning. Sex, money, sex. Yeah. If you're not having any, it probably means more to you than if you're having some. Probably. I don't know. Now, I'm going to, so if you weight it, if everyone weighed it, it would be, the weight would basically be in the, based on the conditions of your life. You don't have any money, money would seem to be pretty heavy. But I'll tell you, you can add a huge amount of weight by the word my, my money. It becomes a huge story for you, doesn't it? My sex, unbelievable story. My sex, another story. The my is what gives meaning here. The my is what's weighing you down. The why is, the my is what's heavening your life out. That's why you travel heavy. Not by the thoughts that are happening in your head, but you, you, the thought that says, they're my thoughts, that's the one that gets you. Yeah? 
So let's say someone talks about their head, selfing. I like to use the word selfing because there is no self. It's a mental process that produces. It's like when you were born, there was no feeling of being a self. They've done research already, lots of it. The, the a baby for about a year, year and a half has no sense of other yet. Yeah? There's no self or other. If you call the baby its name, it doesn't probably know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah? Because it's just there. Then it develop a part of the mind, the brain develops, and this mental process produces a sense of being a self. So now the mind, self-centeredness arises, and then your attention and your interest and your awareness gets wedded to that idea of being this, and then your whole life story is told by your head about you in life as this. That's what it does. Yeah? And it becomes my story. And the my is the bondage, not the story. Everyone has a story here, but the my is the bonding agent. Yeah? So it says, please relieve us from the bondage of self. So if you read that statement, it sounds like he's talking about two things again. Yeah? There's us, please relieve us from the bondage to self. Yeah? So I would say self is a product of a mental process called selfing. Us is, let's call it consciousness or spirit, and seemingly consciousness and spirit is, has been bonded to this idea of being a self. Yeah. And we're asking whatever this higher power to relieve us of the bondage to self. What's the bonding agent? Yeah. What is the bonding agent? Because if there is, if your spirit and yet the idea of being a self is total mental process, yeah? That bonding is unnatural in a sense. So it has to have a damn good bonding agent, don't you think? It has to have a bonding agent that reapplies the glue every day. If not, there'll be too many free samples. You'll see that it's not you. It's, it's obvious as hell most of the time. There's so many times in the day that the absence of self is so dominant. But what occurs is the self arises and claims it and says, oh, I had this incredible experience of my own absence, which it never can have. Yeah, but whatever. So here, the bonding agent. What is it? It's the daily narrative in your head, yes? Isn't there something speaking to you? And it sort of sounds like your voice. And sometimes it sounds like your voice speaking to what you believe is you. Like a ventriloquist. Like there's one dummy and then there's you and then it switches and then the dummy is you and then and you're having this big thing, yes? And the incredible thing is it has a, an alluring, trance-like quality because it sounds like you. Yeah? But that idea of sounding like you is only the vocal cords of this body. Why would you make the leap that it's your voice? Yeah? Unless you were identified as a self. Unless you were identified as the body. Why would you call the body mechanism yours? Yes? So here, I can't even take a shit when I want to. I can't. I'm sitting here. I may really have to go. You know, I'm on the plane. I can't have to go. I can't go. I can't. If I, it was up to me pumping my blood, I'd be dead already. Yeah? My, if I had to beat my heart, I forgot it. Maybe I ate a burrito three days ago and I put it in here and I said, I'll get to it on Saturday. You know, I got, I got a big list of what I have to digest. There'd be a lot of work and then a lot of backing up would occur if I had anything to do with running the show of the body. Yeah? But so let's say you take a shift. And so you look in the toilet, and there it is. So it sounds like it could seem logical that you could say, hey, I took the shit. Yeah? There it is. I'm sat here, seemingly I, as this, shat, and there's the shit. 
And so it's that I could see. You could come to that conclusion that, yeah, you had something to do with that. But here, you have a much subtle activity of the body, which is thinking, thoughts, which you can't weigh or see. I can't open your head and see thoughts in there, yeah? Much more subtle than the digestive tract or the pumping of blood, yes? And yet, our feeling when there's an awareness of a thought, the sense is that I'm the thinker of it, yeah? Just like I'm the shitter of the shit when I see it in the toilet. I believe, I see the thought up here and I think I'm the thinker of it. Isn't that insane? If you believe you're the thinker of it, stop thinking it. It's an incredible leap to believe that you have anything to do with this activity. Yet, part of the activity that you don't notice is the thought that I'm the thinker. You don't see that. All you see is all the thoughts that it sees as the thinker. But it it shields itself from the primary thought, which is I'm the thinker. The same thing with feelings. You'll talk about to people about your feelings all freaking day, but there's a feeling that I'm the feeler. That's never addressed, yes? There's always this point that we take ourselves to be the verb of living, and we make ourselves a noun. I'm the one that's seeing. I'm the one that's hearing. I'm the one that's feeling. I'm telling you, if a bird flew in this room, and your eyes were open, and they were pointed in the direction of the bird, you'd see the bird. If you had sworn your whole life you never wanted to see a bird, you'd still see it. If you, I, I haven't seen a bird in 20 years, you'd still see it. If your eyes were open looking that way, there would be a seeing of it, yeah? The mental reaction is later. It happens after the fact of conscious contact. Life is conscious contact. The interpretation of life is the mental realm. Where you live in thought most of the time. And in thought, past and future seem real. Yet there's no airport you can land in the future. You can't call ahead and say, hey, I'd like to rent a room in the hotel nowhere when I get to what's not happening. There's There's nowhere to go. And the same thing in the past. You can only seemingly travel there in thought. And yet, if you look at the surveillance tape, you haven't left where you are as a body. You've just gone there in the head. Yeah. And what happens when you go to what's not happening, which is not happening? Your mind brings back a product. It like harvests the crop like a marijuana bud or for like a resentful bush or something. And then you, you smoke this resentment of 40 years. <laughs> and you, you bitch about the emptiness of miracles in your life, but a miracle just happened an hour ago which you forgot. But the resentment, you're just, you're worshipped it all every day. You're fueling it, throwing logs on the fire. Yeah? Because why? In the past and the future, your thought system, which we're relying on, yes? The head is our navigator here. It's telling you what you're like, what you're going to be like, what they're like, what the world's like. Yes, yes, it's informing you of everything. That thought system pictures you as a body. It does not picture you as spirit. It hasn't does not picture you as a spirit. When this thought system thinks about you, it thinks about you as a body. When you think about you in the past, how do you view yourself as a body, yes? When, you, when you're worried about what's going to happen to you in the future, or to another you in the future, you're worried about a body, yes? 
the thought system that we're relying on, which in recovery it says it's unreliable, it's take about us is that we're bodies. Yeah? When that becomes your, pri- your primary condition, the best you can do is have a spiritual experience. Yeah? And hopefully try to manufacture a spiritual condition which is so opposite to the physical condition. And maybe try to graft on some spirituality so that you, as a physicality, will feel better. Or go do some path or do this or do that. But the, the, the biggest rub of all is never addressed. The identification as being a body. Yeah? The body, if you t- attempt to become spiritual as a body, it's going to be a long, long journey. Because the body is never going to become spiritual. But if you recognize you're not the body, you may get a free hit that you are spirit. And then, then the spiritual condition is more a, a form of expression than a discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a, you have a, you have like, like this in recovery, it says in the third step, turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as, I'm, as we understood Him. Hopefully, for me in time, what happened, I found that I want to have my life turned over to a God of its own understanding. Definitely not of my understanding. Because my understanding is going to make it a very weak, small God that's going to be infrequently arriving at exactly at the wrong time. Maybe it'll get me a parking space at the meeting, or whatever. Maybe I'll have a month-long relationship or something. Or not flip out the next picnic. But I'm going to be doing what they talk about in recovery, which is the how and why of the whole program. The how and why is a comprehensive statement. And the how and why of the whole program is the quit playing God. Yeah? And what happens with this is we play God with we play God with God. Who does God inform you how close He is to you, or do you inform yourself how far away you are from Him? Yeah. Now, if something's telling me I'm far away from God, and I'm believing that, I would say that's playing God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if I entertain that. I'll, a power greater than myself, of its own understanding, I'm constantly surprised. Yes? <laughs> because it has a much larger, expansive view of what I could possibly be here. Yeah? It's sort of like surrendering to letting life imagine what it wants you to be. Instead of you imagining what you want life to be, why don't you let life imagine what you want to be? What you are. Yeah, just check it out. So there's a freedom in it. There's a, there's a spontaneity. There's an immediacy of it. When the identification itself is seen not to be you, you have immunity to thought. Yes? When thought's not triangulating you, because thought pictures you as a body, so it's constantly picturing you somewhere at some time. Yeah? Most people's moment, what they call the present moment, is just a mental moment. It's a conceptual idea of the present, bookended by past and future. So the mind is constantly picturing you somewhere at some time as a body. All the time. That's what it does, yes? It's picturing you. It's remembering. Re means to do again. It's remembering you, the mental process. But there's a scene prior to it, right? Right now, everyone in this room, there's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. That's prior to the mental interpretation. 
Yeah? Seeing is not seer and seen, it's seeing. Yeah? Hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, seeing thoughts. That's called conscious contact. Believing you're the seer, the hearer, the feeler is a mental interpretation called selfing. Anytime there's a strong feeling that you're involved in something, that's the product of selfing. That's what it does. It gives you a feeling that you're the doer, you're the haver, you're the noun, and with all the verbs, yes? So you can't just see seeing, it's I'm seeing. Yeah? And if you can't figure out some, you know, okay, I didn't do it, so you must have done it. If you can't say it wasn't them or you, it's God did it. There's got to be a noun somehow as the doer. Yeah? But what would it be like if everything was just verbing? If life was seen as it's just happening? Not to you, but happening. Yeah? Don't you believe you travel lighter through it? I can't believe, you know, I can't say that your geography of your life will change, but I truly know that you will travel lighter over it if you entertain yourself not to be that. Not to be the idea that the mind holds as you. No. Yeah. That to me is what real spirit is. And so to me the highest form of spiritual condition is to be a spirit. It's the highest form. It says how daily reprieve is contingent or based on our spiritual condition. Well, could you imagine if you entertain your spiritual condition as always so? Yes? What kind of faith and relaxation could come over you if you entertain that you are that which you feel you don't have or that you're seeking? Ooh. Yeah. That, that everywhere, I don't know, are you Catholics? Anyone Catholics here? Yeah. Catholic, I went to school and they tell you God had three attributes. It's all-knowing, all-seeing, and omniscient everywhere. It's everywhere, whatever. Why aren't you feeling it then, if it's everywhere? You must have run into it. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine if it's everywhere, it's hard to escape everywhere. Unless you believe you're a special somewhere. <laughs> That's what selfing is. It's the belief of being a special somewhere. And then we're in a little gated community, and then everywhere becomes an experience we want to have in our special somewhere. No, everywhere is everywhere. Even in the special somewhere, it's everywhere. Yeah? And where are you going to go in everywhere? Where's the center of everywhere? Where's the beginning of everywhere? Where, can, how, where would the journey start to get to everywhere? It would, be, it would start in everywhere, yeah? And so where you would end up would be the exact same place you'd start, everywhere. That's what it's like. The nature of consciousness or spirit is everywhereness. It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary. You are not the Godkeeper. You are not the gatekeeper. It's not up to you to allow God in. Your believing that it's up to you to allow God in is how it's kept out from your special somewhere. It's when the admittance and when the plain God is seen and you are not believing that, yes, that's the freedom. The freedom from quit playing God. And then, instead of knowing about life, don't you have that feeling when you wake up sometimes? You know how the day's going to be? You believe you do, don't you? Just today's going to suck or whatever, you know. I can't stand it. I know what it's going to be like. Isn't that God playing, don't you feel? You just woke up. 
Have you ever noticed God in the way this life, how it goes, is like, let's say at 8 o'clock, you get an 8 o'clock card, right? Like a big card game. You wake up at 8 a.m., the only card available on the table is 8 a.m. card. Now your mind says, but it's going to suck. It wants to know exactly, it, it believes it knows what the 4 p.m. card's going to look like. So, and it doesn't even, and it, so it'll, and it gets a deuce and it thinks, oh, this hand sucks, it's never going to get good, yeah? It constantly plays God. But you can't have the 4 p.m. card at 8 a.m. This whole life is about finding out. It's a, not about knowing. Knowing is like the booby prize. Knowing is like a false mental security. Finding out is a, a being alive, yes? Yeah? You find out. You show up just like in recovery. It says, suit up and show up and let go of the results. What's that but finding out? So this is just a new way of life. It's just an understanding that I feel really blends with the basic frame of AA. Because that's where I come from. I see no dispute in it whatsoever. And yet it will like enlarge or illuminate the principles of AA in a new way. That's what happened for me. I went back to the book, which I had read many times. I used to do a four-step workshop. I was sharing it, like, every Monday night for years. But when I read the book about when it said, you know, being convinced that self is what has defeated us, manifested in all these various ways, we'll now look at it, some of its common manifestations, and it starts out with resentment. I never saw it that, Jesus, a resentment is an expression of selfing in my life. That's all it is. If you read that, it's, it seems really clear. But it wasn't clear for nine years or so for me. It says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self, yeah, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. We will now look at its common manifestations. The common manifestations of self in your life, and the first one was resentment. And the next is fear. And this and that. And then says a hundred forms of fear. There's self-pity, there's self-this, there's self-that, da 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 These are all expressions of this system of thought called selfing that is using you to express through. Yeah. And yet, when selfing expresses through seemingly us, what's the first thing our head does? It claims it. It says, that's my fear, doesn't it? Yeah. It says, that's my fear. Once it's your fear, you don't know how much invested your mind is in keeping that fear. You may share it hundreds of people, but it's only just to get a giant, giant whipping it up into a frenzy. The whole thing changes if it's just seen as fear. Yeah? Because fear comes and goes. Your fear can be the basis of your whole life. Your whole interpretation can be based on the fear you think you have. Your whole life story can be based on something that never even happened. You have that story in the book, Freedom from Bondage. Do you ever hear that one with the lady? The lady uh, got sober finally. She had a really rough time. And she, uh, they told her about the inventory. And she had a resentment about her mother that she thought she was totally wishing and willing to get rid of for years after year after year. But when she got sober, she realized... She didn't want to let go of this resentment towards the mother because it was the excuse for her failed marriages, for her not going to college, for this and that. I mean, this was a very important gold mine for selfing, this resentment. It was harvesting a lot of crops out of this little place. But she realized, if I don't give this up, it'll kill me. I'll go back out and drink, yes? But she was under the illusion for years that she would do almost anything to get rid of it, which was total baloney. This is all selfing. 
Once something, once a fear is claimed, it could be the basis of your whole life story. This is what happens. Yeah? But if you're seen as a fear, not your fear, it's going to do what it does, which is it comes and goes. Comes and goes. Yes? Something arises and then departs. But when you call it mine, you, stick, you stamp it. It's like you tattoo it. And then it, its orbit comes all around. It never leaves the orbit around you. Everything, all these things. And then you, you're thinking, why do these thoughts keep surrounding me? Whatever. But you, it's your gravitational field that's keeping them in place. Yeah? If, you let, if I'm not planet Paul, and that drops out of the solar system, you'll see the thoughts will go. I truly believe that your mind, any mind, can get it. Yes? Because it's already so. Your mind is unbelievably unrestrained. It has the ability to entertain like the most sublime sense of peace and of joy instead of being obsessed over your hemline or something for 12 hours. This is what mind does. Mind entertains. If, you, if it's entertained itself to be a self, then every time it entertains, it entertains as a self. Yes? And where most of the entertainment as a self goes is to self. So that's what we call obsession, yes? Your mind is totally interested in you. That's why it represents every day you go home and the mind represents, if I wouldn't have done that, if I, if I did this, everything would have been great and I know it would have really been great. Yeah? I really believe it. It's just like when you want something. Do you ever want what you have? It's always what you don't have. Because it produces exquisite suffering. <laughs> Mind doesn't want what it has. It wants to want what it doesn't have so it can miss it. It's fucking crazy. It's like, it's like slavery every day. 24-7. And we keep claiming. We keep claiming... Being convinced that self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us. We will now look at its common manifestations in our life. Resentment's the number one offender. How is it that it can express so much in your life? Yeah. How, how is it that most of your life is filled with the expressions of selfing? Anxiety, fear, resentments, yes? Harming done, harms done to others, self-pity, self-hatred, this and that. How come a life is so filled with the expressions of self? I would say it's the identification as it that allows it access to what we call our life. Yes? If we're identified as it, it has full access to dump everything it wants to dump. And as it's expressing through us, our head will say, it's me, I'm doing it, I'm having this resentment, I have this fear. Yes, you don't see that as the selfing? Yes, people see me and they go, oh, I was selfing today. No, that's the selfing. The selfing is that there was a feeling, there was a you selfing. Yeah? Selfing is just part, it's a mental verb, it's what happens here. But the feeling of I'm the one that's selfing is the selfing. That's the product of it, Yes? When, you go, when your mind's going off about you or about someone else, yes, like you're feeding a little fire and you're acting as if you don't have a resentment but there's something that's been hurt, yes? 
it's going on and on. It's throwing these logs in there. And then you feel like, oh, I recognize that. I recognize that. But you don't recognize it because there's a feeling that's you that's recognized it. That's the selfing. It's not what's recognized as the selfing. It's the feeling that there's a you that's recognizing it. That's the selfing. That's the bondage to self. You know what I mean? The whole story from this bondage to self is that you're the doer. So anytime there's a seeing of something, and you, if there's a strong feeling, I'm seeing it, that's the selfing. That's the true bondage. The true bondage of... It's, it's not what you think. You're thinking, oh, the selfing is bonding me. No, it's the belief that it's you that's being bound or that if there's you that's doing it. Yes? The selfing is the noun. Is that you become an object that either is doing something or having something done to. That's what the selfing is. That's the bondage to self. The bondage to self is because life is all about verbing. The bondage to self is you're a noun that verbing is happening to you, and you're doing it. Yes? That's the whole story of being a self here. That's the bonding agent. It's that feeling. When something is seen, I don't have a feeling I'm seeing it. That's the, that's the relief. There's just seeing of it, yeah? I don't have the feeling that I'm seeing it. Because then I'd make a story that there was a time when I wasn't seeing it, and now there's a time that I am seeing it. It's all selfing. There's just seeing, Yeah? Seeing like this, just now, just like this. Dog shit awareness, constantly. Oh, I got aware. What did I do to get aware? I must have done, oh yes, I practiced that, I went there. That's what did it. I had something to do with it. I knew it. <laughs> this is called playing God. Yeah. When, it's, when that gets stripped down, it's just seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and the mental reaction will take things personally, and I'm not that. I'm not what takes things personally. There's the taking of things personally, but I'm not that which takes it personally. Yeah? It's not like, oh, I got to live my whole life never taking anything personally. That's selfing. It's just a recognition. I'm not what takes things personally, but there's a lot of taking things personally going on. That's the freedom from what self. Not from taking things personally, but from self. You want the freedom from the bondage to self? That's the bondage to self. Not the verb, taking things personally and not taking things personally, but the noun that's doing it or it's being done to. The noun is the root of the bondage, yes? Not the verbing. The mind's going to go off at times. You're going to feel unease at times, and you're going to feel greatly open. But neither of them prove that there's a you that feels greatly open or at unease. Yeah, that's the freedom from the bondage. It's not like my head just became good at all of a sudden. You know, it just... <laughs> no, the interest was lost in its activities because it wasn't about me anymore. Yeah, I was relieved from the feeling of everything being about me. I always use this example, but I like it. I think it gets things across. There's a girl in the other room. There's a meeting going on there. And I really like, I like to know her biblically, yes? I want to, and I think she'll really save me. If I could ever, I just know it would be great with her. I have no idea, but my mind's running the advertising. She's the, she's the one. So I'm supposed to be doing something here, but my interest and attention is keenly listening to hear her talk. Because, of course, I'm self-centered. I think she's going to say something about me. 
And maybe I can say, hey, you know, I think she likes me. I can ask her. Because I definitely don't want to get rejected. No. I'm not even going to try to ask her unless I feel I have, a, you know, the bed is hedged, so to speak. So I'm there, listening, listening. And people go, Paul, there's a talk, you know. And I go, yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't seem to stop listening. Someone throws a book, How to Stop Listening to Conversations in Another Room. I read a few pages. No, no, no. Back, 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 back. Then I hear a talk, and she's talking about Matt. As soon as I hear it's not me, what happens? I lose interest in that conversation, yes? Do I have to take a workshop on how to lose interest? No. As soon as there's a realization it's not about me, I lose interest in it. That's exactly what happens with selfing. When you entertain, which I'm just humbly offering you an invitation, to entertain the possibility you're not a self, if it's entertained, it just may happen that the mind will lose interest in the selfing because it will have entertained, I may not be that. Yeah? And as soon as it entertains, I'm not that, and it gets a little bit of an inkling that that could be so, what happens is interest and attention leaves the obsession with self and starts doing what it does. I don't know what it will do, but I bet you it will enrich in your life a lot more than when it's up the ass of self all day. Yes? That's what happens. If you see or entertain, just like I did, and I didn't do it, but let's, let's say it here. What we're attempting to do is offer you an invitation so that mind can maybe just, instead of entertaining everything as a self, it may entertain, I may not be a self. If it entertains, I may not be a self, and it hits a nice chord, what happens is the interest and attention will be unbonded or unwed to that obsessive fixation on you, and your interest and attention is what will enrich your life, how it's spent. And it may rest in spirit instead of on things all day. You as the primary thing. Maybe it will rest on no thing. Yes, it just possibly be. And if it does, what will happen is the fixation on me and you and this and that will shift to the background and then there will be the sense of space or spirit will be in the foreground. Yeah? It will be the dominant emphasis of your life and you'll travel lighter through this place. It's a difficult thing because if, if the act of identifying as self is in place, you won't know it. That's when it's working. <laughs> if it's working, you won't know it. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah? But you can get a flavor of it by the language happening in your head because you'll see your your, the thought system is constantly talking as, about you as the verb, as the noun, as the doer, as the haver, as the this, as the that. When you start seeing the verb, the system of thought, and how it pictures you, yes? When you see that, you mustn't be that if you see it. If you see the system that is producing a self, you're not the self that it produces. You're something prior to the production of self, because you're seeing it being produced. When someone can break down selfing to you, because they've seen it, if you, they've seen it, and if anyone's seen it, it may not be us. Because you can't be seeing yourself. There's got to be a distance between you and what you see, yes? Most of us are seeing from self, and that's why we're blind here. 
And the first disease is self-centeredness. And that's what I believe. I drank to get relief from alcoholism, which is self-centeredness, yes. That's the first disease. The first disease creates all the other addictions. It's we're trying to get relief from the first disease, which is being identified as what we're not. And then what happens is it's got such a great strategy, you get so caught up in the effects of the secondary addiction, you never get to see the real cause. (laughs) You never get to the root of the problem, and then that addiction morphs into another addiction. So you think, oh, I'm a drug addict, then you start drinking heavy. Oh, I'm, you get rid of, you stop that, and then you're a sex addict. Or the, then you start overeating. The mind's just going to, you know, act out, act out, because the cause hasn't been seen yet. It's not drinking and using isn't the problem. Those are our solutions to the problem. So the problem is identification as self. Spawning all these needs to get relief from it. But you can't get relief from it as it, because all you'll do is get relief for it. And it's a glutton for relief. It'll just keep eating relief and relief and relief and relief, and it's never satiated. But the real relief is from it. By entertaining, I may not be that. And then you get relief from it. I don't know. For me, it's a whole different view of it, and it's worked. And you're my tribe, and I'm beholden to that for some strange reason. And I found that people, even if they just get the idea of what's not happening, it helps them a lot. Because most of us, what we're identified as, we're in that mental realm of what's not happening all day. So just to entertain that it's not happening can be great. Yeah? Yeah. You have to see, in a way, I used to do this thing in a... The four-step workshop. I've come a long way, so I'm going to give you a whole a big chunk of stuff today. Eh? Yeah. I used to use the. This is one of the first things that started dawning on me: the role of this with that. Yeah. How this projects that. What you call your world. So we used to do the inventory process, and uh, I used to use a balloon as an example of self. Yeah, and so. Obsession with self supposedly is the root of our problem in recovery. And so this balloon is going to represent self. And how it obsesses over itself is by air. Here, self is us, and it's the obsession with self. Now, we have an idea of what we think would make us happy. Yes? Many ideas in selfing, yes? Uh, We have a very large agenda. The balloon only has one agenda, not to be popped. Very simple agenda. Yeah? Now, we also have a lot of gauges to see how we're doing. Yeah? And they vary every day. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you rely on this as your navigator, forget about it. So, and, but the balloon only has one, one barometer to a success or failure, and that's the thickness and thinness of its skin. If its skin is too thin, it's apt to be popped, which is against its agenda. And if it's too thick, it's okay, yeah? Okay, thickness is good, thinness is not so good for the balloon. All right, so now the balloon starts suffering from alcoholism, and it starts obsessing, so more air fills the balloon. As the air starts filling the balloon, what happens to the balloon? The skin gets thinner, yeah? So the balloon, having a little bit of sentience or awareness, realizes, shit, if the skin gets too thin, I'm going to be popped. 
So the big threat of all threats is now being entertained, and so it starts having self-centered fear, yes, based on its condition. So what does it do? It tries to control it more by then it obsesses over it. <laughs> of course, the balloon is not managerial quality, or we're, like we're not managerial quality. So now the balloon's getting really big, and the skin's getting really, really thin. Now the self-centered fear is exaggerated very strongly, and it starts looking around its environment, and it starts having resentments towards things that it believes can pop it. Yeah? So it looks at the exposed light, and says, if I hit that light, I'm pop, so it starts resenting that light. Yeah? Someone's smoking a cigarette. If I hit that cigarette, I'm a Ghana. starts resenting that person with the cigarette tip, and the sharp angle of the thing. Yeah? So now it's in a lot of fear, and it's resenting its environment. Yeah, it's looking at things as threats all day and a lot of anxiety. What does it do? It thinks more about the situation. <laughs> the balloon is really big now. The skin is really, really thin. <laughs> Tons of self-anxiety, yes? Woe is me all day. And now, not only does it like the light, it doesn't like the electrical company, yeah? That let the light go on. And Winston-Salem for all the cigarettes it's ever made. <laughs> and just blanket resentments. And this is the condition we find ourselves in with untreated alcoholism. Yeah. Now what happens? Like it says in, in the book that the 12 steps are there to deflate the ego in a way. The 12 steps, we do these steps and what happens is some air gets let out of the balloon. When the air gets let out of the balloon, what happens? The, thin gets, the skin gets thicker. As soon as the skin gets thicker and the balloon becomes aware of it, what happens? The self-centered fear drops. Yeah? Now it's not looking at the cigarette as a threat, nor the light. So the resentments recede. And you have to see that the sense of resentment or expressions of self in your life are based on the size of the balloon. If there's more untreated alcoholism, the more anxiety and more fear you're going to be in and resentments you're going to have. Obviously, because the selfing is going to express as your life. If the, if the, if the obsession gets relieved which is if you lose interest in the idea of being self, air comes out, the skin gets thicker, what happens? You thought there were thousands of resentments out there, now there doesn't seem to be any. There wasn't a resentment out there, you projected the resentment, yes? And the fear isn't caused by outside, it's produced by your view of things. And if your view is of self, you're going to be in a lot of anxiety, because you believe in time, yes? You believe, oh, it's great now, but it won't be later. How can you enjoy anything? Really, how can you enjoy this moment if you think it may not be this way uh, next moment? Yeah? You're going to have anxiety about the peace. <laughs> the peace of the moment will be used to, be, uh, to produce anxiety. Oh, this was great, but it won't be later. <laughs> Your whole life was about, I can't wait to have a great moment. Then you have it, ooh, but it won't last. <laughs> to see the insanity of it. I don't want to have any correction in it. it. Just see it as not you. If you see it as not you, if your interest and attention leaves it, it becomes like a paper mache production. Now it's technical because it's your own mind that's given it all of its life by believing it's about you. This is the way it is to me. No, it isn't. Shit, it's made up. I did this one thing, you know, have anyone had blackouts here? You ever have a blackout? Oh, not lately, that's good. Not lately. <laughs> well, I had this, I had this strange idea about blackouts. In recovery and drinking, you hit a point sometimes when you're saturated, and 
you black out seemingly for 12 hours or 15 hours and stuff like that. But actually, my little take on this is that I actually was much more successful in blackouts than I was when I was conscious. I was getting run over by cars and shot at when I was conscious, but I went out with nice women when I blacked out. I wake up, wow, beautiful person. So what happens in a way? You get to a certain point and then it the, seems like something occurs and this shuts down and then 14 hours later you come to and you remember, yes? But while you were, but for 14 hours you were totally interactive with life. People were traveling, buying tickets, doing contracts, probably getting married in blackouts, you know. And the person who thought they knew them best never saw the hitch when there was the blackout occurred. It wasn't like Paul stopped. What I believe happens is the mental process just set up another clone like Paul. Yeah, and that Paul felt like it was the historical Paul. And then after 13 hours of being Paul, the old, the, the, the bigger Paul arose again. And to, to clean the tracks of its irrelevance, it had to have, make a sense of being blacked out. There was no, I wasn't there for 13 hours. No, there was another representative of you called Paul that thought it was the historical Paul and probably was much better at certain things than you are. But see, the fact is, if there's two Pauls, there can't be any Pauls. Yeah? The mental process produces the sense of being a Paul. And it will produce another one in a blackout. Yeah? And that Paul will think it's Paul just as much as the one that comes back thinks it's Paul. <laughs> I love it. Because if there's two, there can't be any. Yes. And if you're not that, there's a freedom involved. There's a freedom involved in not being that. A sweet, sweet freedom. It will, it will express itself and manifest in so many ways that will surprise you. You won't believe what you thought was important is so unimportant. It's like an, it economizes you. You just travel later. So, I would love to see in, in, in recovery, you know, the idea of just entertain the idea maybe, not to exclude all the other roots of the problem, but maybe as another option that the root of the problem could be identifying itself. Yeah? And then doing an inventory process as if you're looking at a foreign installment and you're writing its expressions out instead of claiming them all to be yours. And maybe sharing with another person and telling the truth about it because you'd be truly fearless and thorough because it won't be you that you're talking about. Yes? And then maybe, just maybe, you'll see a radical shift in one's life. And then you'll know you'll know the problem by the solution. You'll know the problem by the solution. By the absence of self, you'll realize it's the presence of self as me that's the seeming quote-unquote problem. That's it. You'll know it by its absence. You'll know it as the problem by its absence. And I'm telling you, humbly, that it's always absent. It's only made up to be present mentally. That's why this is the dominant uh, activity, mind, eh? isn't it? Most of us are totally thought-based. Totally thought-based. So, any questions? No? Uh, yes? I have a yeah. I, you know, the thing that stands in my way a lot is 
It's a fundamental uh, dynamic. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Doing and having is one of the main systems in, of self-centeredness. It takes itself to be the doer and the haver. So it, I did them. I didn't do them, but there was doing of them, yes. And they failed miserably on one level. You can't produce a causeless state by activity. You cannot produce a causeless state by activity. You cannot achieve it by effort. It's not attainable because it's not unattainable. Yes? Now, if there's a need for you to do something, then better do it. And then hopefully the best value that thing that you need to do will probably give you is that you need to do nothing after you do a lot of it for a while. <laughs> so it will serve you. It will. You can't help but serve you. You'll get exhausted by seeking, and then the seeking actually was valuable because it brought about an exhaustion so that the mind cracks open and then has a free sample of its real unadorned nature instead of doing and having and you know, you have to look at it. Look at this place here. Even in life, we call it spirituality a journey, don't we? What goes on a journey? The body. Yeah? The spirit go on a journey? I mean, where would it start? How would you recognize it was on a journey? Where to go? What? Where to go? Exactly. But see, the sense of a spiritual journey is coming from the narrative, from the system of being a body. Yes. Yeah? It throws everything in the light of doing and having. That's what it does. That's its nature. Its system is you're the doer and the haver, or others are doers and havers. So for you to have something, there must be doing to get there. Yes? But what you are isn't something to be had. That's the dilemma with that system. When what you are, which is an innate condition, or let's say a prior condition, is what you're trying to do and have, it will probably defeat you in the process. Because you can't do and have yourself into a prior condition. You're already that condition. Now, if you need to clean some stuff up, 
Then sitting, do that and do this, whatever. You know, if that's what you feel you need to do, because it's in a way you have a large amount to do with it. If you really believe you've got to do something, then you'll make it very unavailable if you're not doing something. Your mind will make what's obvious not available, because you're playing God. Yes? So you will set it up that, yes, you have to do something, so get on doing it. And then hopefully you'll see the God playing in it, and then, um, whatever. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying this is a... This is just an imitation. We're just trying to see... You know you know yoga? You know yoga? You take, they call it, They have postures you sit down in, right? And tons of different postures. The mind is like in this mental yogic posture called self-centeredness, yeah? It's all coiled up. And it's been in this posture a long time, in this place of time and space. It's very habitually locked in here. We're just trying to tickle, let's say, a little point that's showing it under here. And if it gets a little jolt, which I like to call a Zen bitch lap, yeah? A little startling in, it will come out of the posture and it will get a sense of its own nature which isn't defined by the mental posture it's in. It's prior to that. It's the scene. Mind reflects. That's what it does. It reflects, yes? Its inherent nature, as they would put it, is empty. And that's why a mirror works because there's not a prior image in the mirror. Yeah? The mirror reflects. Yeah? So therefore... Everything is seen in the mirror. Why? Because it's an empty image. So anything and everything can be seen because of its emptiness. Mind is like that. The mind is empty of being an inherent person or a thing. And in that no-thingness, it's totally empty. And then manifestation can appear and reflect in it. Yeah? What would happen if you and I were like a mirror... And our attention goes out, and the attention, and then when it comes back, it hits the back of the mirror, which is the picture of you. Your identification is being this. Yeah? What would happen if, so here you are, your attention is going out, and having contact, and then it goes back to you. So let's say you have thousands of experiences, but it's only you experiencing it. So thousands of things you meet, but it's only you that met them. It's insane. It's like this self-centered looping. What would occur is, if I'm not this, that attention would go right into that, the space. That's like infinity. And you'd have a feeling of spaciousness while you were looking at things. Yeah, instead of thinking it's me looking at things, and I'm in relation to this, with this thing, and all this mental heaviness, you would see a feeling of lightness, because you'd feel the attention. Instead of the attention going, boom, hitting this all day, circle. You feel, don't you ever feel it when you do service in AA? You get out of yourself? Yeah? yeah. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you get out of yourself. What happens when you're out of yourself? You feel available, right? You feel bigger, don't you? Lighter, whatever. All that is, is you're getting out of the loop of self-centeredness. Attention is not boom. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And once you get out, see, for me, we have to do service if you think you're in self, yes? So you do service, you get out of self. What happens when you're out of self? You're available, obviously. What, are you, what happens when you're available? You're of service, yes? You're of service, you're available. Then you feel a presence, right? We call it a higher power or something. What would happen if, you're the, if you are the presence, not the one who's experiencing the presence, 
Because, but you are the presence that, that you call an experience you're having. That presence means you're available. And if you're available, you're of service. So now, it's not predicated by an action. It's a state. Yeah? You're living in a state that on the presence, therefore, you're always available and you're of service. Instead of taking yourself to be a singularity who doesn't feel presence, who's not available, so he has to do something to sort of manipulate a sense of that availability and presence. Yeah? Which means it's going to be infrequent because it's going to be based on if he does it or doesn't do it. So he plays God with the presence. Yes? But what would happen if you entertain your the presence? It would short-circuit the God playing because the presence would be always available at all times and you'd be of service. Instead, now, but then it switches and so here you're God and now you do something to feel available and to sense of presence, only not to feel the presence and the availability. Yeah? And then having to do something again to feel it, that's God playing. Constantly. Yeah? Isn't it? So you're, you're, you're passing judgment. I don't, feel, I don't feel the presence and therefore I've got to do something to have that experience of the presence, when presence is truly always available at all times. So I would say, it's so important for your God to be playing God, it has to make what's always available at all times infrequent and based on what you do or don't do. That's incredible. To subject, subjugate God or presence to be a servant to your mind based on what you do or don't do, you're going to feel it or not, that is a high level of playing God. Fucking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> Voila, as we well know. <laughs> Playing God doesn't go without punishment for the God player. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, your God does. Your God's a mean motherfucker. It is. It's like the Old Testament God. You'll smoke people and don't put anyone before me. And yes, your God sounds just like your head. <laughs> so I don't know. I just love this invitation, especially in recovery, because we have hopefully the sense of any life run on self will is not successful. I mean, hopefully we get to the point of realizing we're not managerial quality. I mean, hopefully that happens. That self is what has defeated us. Yes, any life run on self will is probably not going to be successful. These things are just the exasperation of a failed system. Yeah? All right. We've, we've talked about the exasperation of a failed system ad nauseum for years. Let's go to the solution. Yeah? Let's move a little. Let's move the train a little farther down the track. Let's talk about the solution from the solution instead of talking about the problem from the problem. In a sense, yes, it's the it's really it's the activity of not playing God. It's not a statement. It's the activity of not playing God. You and I, as this, uh, as not this, will travel a lot lighter when there's not playing God going on. Yes. So when you suit up and show up and let go of the results, all those things are ways of giving up our godhood, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
be a three-month-long retreat, 18 hours a day meditating on it. stepping stone to get to what we really think is important, which never arrives. 
Yes, it's just it's just slavery. It's like you're on a death march on the selfing, and it has this incessant hope. You're always hoping that things are going to get great <laughs> against all evidence. <laughs> and you, hope is incessant. It's just incredible how much hope mind can project about a failed system. And if you don't want it, if you don't believe it's a failed system, I'll tell you, a working system would not need rationalizations, would not need excuses, and definitely would not need blame to cover up its inability to produce the good it promises. It cannot bring about happiness, joyousness, and freedom. It cannot. If it could, it would have already. It cannot. So therefore, it rationalizes, it excuses, it blames to, to cover its inability to produce the goods. It's a failed fucking system. And the mind is not, does, that's not the only frequency mind can pick up. Like, hey, Paul, is a very small radio station. Yeah? It can open up, the antenna can move. <laughs> It's not fixed, you know what I mean? It can move and it can pick up different downloads. And it can see things anew, like Jesus says, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Everyone, but they're also, I have ears and eyes, but you know, it's a seeing anew, it's a different way. Because what we're looking at, we're looking from a certain perspective called self-centeredness. It's a form of looking, yes? Which blinds you to the natural seeing, which is being conscious. Consciousness is seeing. Awareness is seen. Every one of us has that as our base. But what we're saddled with is a mental form of looking called self-centeredness that piggybacks on the scene but blinds us to the scene because we think, I'm looking. Yeah? That's the dilemma. St. Francis says, what you're looking for is what's looking. What you came here for is what you came here with. They keep making these, these little sly statements, trying to point back to what's already so, the unproduced, the un- unproduced condition. That's demonstrating itself in its basic form of conscious contact. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling. Yeah. That's existence, that's being. And what's being? It's consciousness meeting its manifestation. Which, you ever see, you ever walk down a road, millions of things are manifesting. There's tons, things are growing out of cement. They, may, they found one grain of, of mud or dirt that got blown by the wind, and the thing grabbed onto it and something grew out of it. It's just manifesting. Every, just thousands of appearances, thousands of thoughts and feelings, thousands of things. Subtle levels, grosser levels. That's mind. Mind manifesting. We just shortchange ourselves, identified as this, and a certain somewhere, and a sometime. Fuck. It's crazy, man. To me, it is, anyway. It's just ridiculously hopeless. Why do, why do you think we got loaded for? We were suffering from mind getting stuffed in this shoebox of identification with a body. So if we can produce an incredible irritability, restlessness, and discontent, we want relief. That was a valid drive when I was a kid. I wanted relief. I was feeling uncomfortable. Yeah? What's a, what a weird statement to have, most of us, that we're uncomfortable in our own skin. I mean, the only skin, if you're identified as this body, that's the only skin you're going to be in. And then you're uncomfortable in it? What a bad, you know, it's like, sort of, you're not starting at a high point. It's just going to go down from there. You have to see the, the effects of the system. I mean, what it calls home seems to be unlivable. Fucking crazy. But it's, oh, this is me, but I don't like me. <laughs> you know? I can't wait to get out of me, but I, this is me. 
<laughs> God damn it. It's me, but I don't want to be me. But I'm me who doesn't want to be me. It's fucking just fucks itself. Like, it's like a giant menage a trois over and over again. Fuck, 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 fuck. successful. That's why I came from... I can go back home now. I've done my job. And you know. I feel a lack of, of individuality. That's good. I like that. That's progress. <laughs> yes, yes. No. There's no you to destroy it. It's just a, there's a, there can't be a destruction of something that wasn't so. You can't destroy an appearance. It's just seeing that's an appearance would be its seeming destruction. So it's just an appearance of mind, selfing. There's no self. There's selfing. So when you see it as that, there's nothing to destroy. That's not you. You know? That's the good news. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, what else is going to happen now? Are we done for tonight? I got a hat, I can go home. Yeah. I think it's a good one. No, you come there tomorrow. How's that? Will you do that, Mitch? You make that effort? Sure. We can go out and have lunch and hang around. I want to get you out of this area anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we want to take him out of the Petri dish of San Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. See how I want to see you in a new light, a New Jersey light. <laughs> no, I have a fondness for Mary Ann and her compound too. Yes. All right, we'll end with the serenity prayer. Hey, I also have shirts. Everyone interested in the new shirts I have? Zen bitch slap shirts? Oh yeah. I have new Zen bitch slap shirts. That's the name of the website. You want me to bring them down? We'll say the prayer and I'll get it out of the, uh, Jeff's box. If anyone's interested. I have a. Do you hold hands here? Is that now? I don't know.